Uh, but the, the, the message I'm going to do today and do for a number of weeks is called the responsive life. At any given moment, we're always responding to something. And I want to help you understand, maybe personally from my own experience, but also from what you see in the Bible, how to respond to God alone and what that looks like. And as you know, this is not a how-to. I'm not just going to tell you, hey, as a good Christian guy, you need a good Christian girl, you need to start being nicer to people and kinder to people and say your thank yous and don't get angry and stop swearing. That only goes so long. What I'm telling you is not the Christian thing to do, but what I'm going to show you is how Christians live. And they live this way because you have Jesus, the one who is the ultimate responder. He lives on the inside of you. And the Spirit of God will show you where it is in your life, how you can respond to God. I want you to imagine, um, just for a moment, life through the eyes of Jesus. Just take a moment and try to put yourself in the shoes of Jesus, a man who never worried, who may, a man who never freaked out when negativity hit his life, and one who is not moved by the accusations or the offenses of someone else. I didn't see you there. I would like to actually, and I don't mean it to be awkward, but it's the two-year anniversary of um, my Uncle Pete's, Patty's husband passing away. So can we just take a moment of silence for that? We miss him, Patty. We miss him a lot. As you look at Jesus' life, it's not go, here's Jesus and here's us, and we're going to try our best to act just like Jesus. How many tried that before? Yeah. Anybody ever come short of that, that lofty goal? Not living like him. It's not even living for him. It's allowing him to live life through you. It's allowing yourself to see life through his perspective. And there's one secret as I look at the life of Jesus. Yes, he was a man of power. Yes, he was the son of God. Yes, none of us will ever attain to the level that he lived in because he was perfect in all his ways. But there's one secret. Yes, he was a man of prayer. Yes, he, he, he loved the word. There is so many different things that are such good things about Jesus but there's one thing that stands out as I look at his life. He learned one key thing, how to respond to God at every moment. He learned that. He, he, as he grew up as a child, understanding the scriptures, he learned that the only way that he can do what he's going to do is if he responds to the Father and nobody else. And there is a place, I am telling you all, there's a place in Christ of living life where you can respond to him alone. I was giving the example to the guys at the men's meeting the other night is in a marriage setting, how many has ever been reactive to your spouse? Not this morning, right? Not this morning. Drive two separate cars. Works always a little bit better when you drive two separate cars. But what happens is, is the spouse says something, it hurts, what do we do? 
We react and said, well, you threw a spear, I'm going to throw a spear. You threw a dart, I'm going to throw a dart. I'm going I'm to try to make sure you knew how I felt because what you said hurt, which is valid, but that many times is we're very reactive, and so we're responding to our spouse. And as you begin to learn how to respond to God, what starts to happen is you stop responding maybe to your spouse in a hurtful way, but what you do is you start responding to God according to how she treated you. And so now she is the object or the subject of your conversation with God. And so it's like, God, how can I take this woman anymore? God, will you just change her? God, will you work on him? God, will you do this in his life? And so what happens is we're trying now to get God to fix her or to fix him. And so we're still responding. Or let's say a circumstance comes in your life. The circumstance overwhelms you with fear. It overwhelms you with worry. Just three weeks ago, I was completely overwhelmed in my internal uh, state of being by fear. And every time I thought of a particular thing that, that caused it, I would dismiss it, put it aside and say, I'm not going to think about it because each time I didn't think about it, guess what I felt? A little better. Until one night, I was uh, having dinner with some friends and family and I felt like the Lord says, I want you to walk home from the restaurant because I want to deal with something with you. So I told those who I was eating with, I said, I really just need to walk home. Um, if you don't mind, I really just need to deal with something with God. And you know what he brought to my attention? The very thing that made me fearful. And he said, Justin, if you keep on putting it aside, it's great to not think about it, but that's not the life that I've called you to. I want you to be able to see it and think about it, and it still produce no fear in you. That's where I'm taking you. And I want to upgrade you to see this thing that you're so fearful about from my perspective. I kid you not, it was a 15, 17-minute walk, and in that 17 minutes, he completely helped me to see that one thing that caused a lot of anxiety, which was unusual for me at this particular season in my life, to experience. And in 17 minutes, he helped me to see I can think about it, and the fear wasn't there anymore. And it was just a simple upgrade that he gave me because he says, I want you to learn how to respond to me, not to that. Are you following me? So John chapter 5, look at these words it, uh, regarding speaking about Jesus. It says, for this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and they sought to what? Kill him. Because he had done these things, he had healed somebody on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them and he said these words. My father has been working until now, and I have been working as well. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but he also said that God was his father, making himself equal to God. Look at uh, verse 18 or 19. Next one. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, I want you to see this. The son can do what? I believe this is an attitude we all should adopt, is that I can do nothing, but what I see the father do, for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. So the secret of Jesus' life is that he learned how to respond to his father. Now, we all know he's the son of God, and God manifested in the flesh, and so he came here as a baby, and he grew up as a human, and as a human, he began to go, okay, I still need to respond to my 
heavenly Father. And it's the same thing that I believe is true for all of us today. When you learn this, and this is a learning process, this is not go and do it, this is let the Holy Spirit teach you what this looks like, your life takes on a completely different form. Now, Jesus was doing the work of who? The Father, right? As he was doing this work, was he persecuted? Did they want to kill him? And they wanted to stop him, right? And how many times have we felt like, I've just done what God wants me to, and it's like, why did this happen? And why did that happen? And why did that happen? And why is it so hard? And so what happens is we have this understanding that, well, if I'm doing something for God, he should make it a little bit easy for me to do it. And I want you to show throughout the scriptures, that's not the case. And that's why it's vital that we learn in this life how to respond to one person. That I don't respond to Sarah. I don't respond to what my kids are acting or doing like. I don't respond to our financial situation or to the circumstances of life. It doesn't mean you don't use wisdom. It doesn't mean you address those things. It doesn't mean you don't talk about those things. It just means internally, I want to respond to one source in one source alone, because it's only that one source that can provide for me the peace and the wisdom that I need in this very moment. As I'm talking today, I want you to put that thing on your mind that brings you the most fear and that brings you the most anxiety. And everybody said, amen. What, I'm, what I, why I want you to do that is I want you to try to listen to this message in response to that very thing. And just like I shared with you, it's easy to try to go, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to think about it. And God's going, oh, wait, 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 that thing? Don't worry about that thing. Bring it back in front. Watch me show you. Maybe he'll show you today. Show you how to respond to who I am even though that thing is right in front of you. Are you following me so far? Verse 20 says, For the Father loves the Son, and he shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. So we're talking about this responsive life. Each one of us in this room are on a journey with our Heavenly Father. Every single one of us. It looks different than the person next to you. There's a different calling there's a different instruction, there's different giftings, there's different experiences. All of us are on a journey with God. But this journey that we're on is not one of destination. I know you may have heard me say that before, but I really want to just tighten the bolts on it for a second because in life, especially in a self-help, successful, oriented, focused world, destination is everything. Like that is what you're doing. And so when you now infuse a Christian culture with destination, we are so enamored by getting there. And you're like, getting where? I don't know, but I'm going to get there as quick as I possibly can. I want to get there. And I want to encourage you, there is not what we're after. This journey is not one of destination. And you know what function feeds on? Destination. 
I just want to get better with God. I just want to be a better Christian. I just want to be a better this or a better this or a better this. And so what happens is we strive and we strive and we strive and we get to the place that is better, but we still look in the mirror and go, oh, I have so much farther to, to go. And then we feel like, oh my gosh, okay, well, I'm just going to put there a little bit closer now and maybe I can reach there. This journey that you're on is one of discovery. Now, just think about this for a moment. Think about if we're sitting, I hope there's not a lot of feedback. Think about if we're sitting on the, uh, a dock um, that's on an ocean, and you have somebody sitting next to you, and this guy, you're sitting here, and then there's like an oceanographer sitting here, and he's telling you about the ocean, the vastness of it, the, the amazing things that he has experienced in his life because he's... All he's done is just dived in every single week, every single day. He's just discovering, discovering, discovering. And the one guy sitting here is like, huh, I want that too. And so he just what? Jumps in. And this one is like, tell me more. This is really, I, I really love to learn about the ocean. I really love to learn about your experiences. Who's going to discover more, the one that's just sitting and learning and gaining knowledge or the one that's actually going to dive in and go explore? The one that's exploring in this journey with Christ is about you discovering things, discovering who God is for you, discovering who you are to God. And when you start to discover those things, you start realizing, I'm not after a destination. I'm trying to live in the now. I'm trying to enjoy who this God is for me right now. God, who'd you say that I am? I know you've called me to some things, and I know that you will prepare me for those things, but I'm learning to live in discovering who you are to me now. And what happens is the difference is I don't need a whole bunch of equipment or knowledge or preparation to get there, I'm just learning how to discover who he is today. And so when a problem comes today, because today is going to have its own troubles, right? Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, for today has troubles of its... Okay, I, that, that's already a given. Every morning I wake up, I don't expect troubles, but I know that they're going to be there, right? Problems are going to pop up here and there and there. If I want a life without problems, it leads to a lot of what? Disappointment. So I already know problems are coming, so this is what I'm thanking God for. Lord, in the midst of bad news, in the midst of challenging times, in the midst of those things, I thank you that you've already made me an overcomer. I thank you that even before I get to that problem that you already have wisdom provided to me so that I can listen to the voice of God and know which way to take and when to take it. Father, I thank you that although the problems are coming, every single one of those problems has an attachment to it called a promise from God. And that if I can see that promise, it will upgrade me to go, you know what? I made it through today and those problems served me. I didn't buckle under those problems. And now what I'm learning to do is I'm learning to respond to him, not to what I'm facing, not to what I just heard and how it devastated me. And I understand, now please hear me, we are human, amen? We have human emotions, and I don't ever want you to translate my messages and go, oh man, I feel so bad for feeling a certain way. No, you're human. You're learning. The Holy Spirit is there with you going, okay, you're freaking out, right, Justin? You're freaking out? Oh, you're, you're scared about that? He wasn't condemning me about it. He goes, you want an upgrade? Because for two and a half weeks, Justin, all you've done is let it just build fear up on the inside of you. And so I could just give you a picture of 
fear rising, 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 rising. And the more that fear rises, you more, the, the more you start to what? Try to figure out how to, how to fix this. Why? Because if God's not doing something about it, I better do something right now. And as it rises, and then the Lord's like, okay, I have something attached to that thing that you're fearing about. It's a responsive life. And so this journey that we're on is not one of destination. It's not about you becoming a better Christian. It's not you about achieving more for God. It's about you discovering who he is, who you are, and then walking in that every day. And as a result of responding to him, Jesus wasn't on a destination. He had a purpose to die for mankind, but he, he was not fast forward toward that. He was just responding to what the Lord was saying to him each and every single day in living a life in response to what his father was showing him. And so God is growing us individually and collectively into his people. We are his people. When you leave this room, when you leave this, this, this building, we are lights in a dark world. And he wants to collectively develop us as his people who are called by his name, who represent him wherever we go. It doesn't mean we go out here and we just be super good Christians. It means that you already are a son or daughter of God if you've named the name of Christ. And as you go, he wants to express his life through you. God is developing into us, into his people, a chosen people, a royal people, a holy people, a special people. That's who we are. Now, let me say this statement, and I think it, it could make a great impact on your life as it did me. No one here, no parent, no mother, no father, no daughter, no, nor, no, no believer is at a disadvantage in this world. It doesn't matter your race, doesn't matter your upbringing, doesn't matter your financial situation. Why? In God's kingdom, no one is at a disadvantage. None of us. We've all been given the same thing. Some of us have been given different talents to fulfill a different will or work that God has for us, but we've all been given the same grace, the same freedom, the same Holy Spirit, the same blood that covers us as it does for you. We've all been given the same playing field. So there is no one at a disadvantage in life because sometimes don't you feel that way? You may disagree with that statement already, so that's fine. That don't, sometimes don't you feel like, man, I'm at a disadvantage. If I just had what they had, then I could do something with my life. And I'm telling you what God has done on your behalf. If you discover who you are and who, you, who he is to you, you'll realize that you have all access to God's favor. That the favor of heaven is attracted to the Jesus that lives on the inside of you. Now, the difference between any of us is not the advantages that we've been given, but who's going to believe it? Who's going to receive what God has for us? You could be the prodigal son who comes back home and goes, Dad, but I, I, I'm so unworthy. And God's like, Ch -ch -ch -ch. hey, bring the fatted calf out, bring the robe, bring the ring, bring the sandals. Man, my boy's back. Let's celebrate. And then you could be this, the guy over here who's like, uh, what about me? I've been here uh, the whole time. Not one party has been given to me. And the father looks at him and says, wait, everything that I just gave your, son, your brother it's always been available to you. And so the question is, who's going to receive and believe it in this room? 
Who's going to believe what God has done? Who's going to believe that you're not at a disadvantage because then you're no longer a victim? That's a powerful place. Can I don't wake up and go, oh, I just wish, God, that you would have... No, 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 God, I thank you. Today, the favor of God follows me. The goodness of God is after me, that wherever I go in every situation I face, every problem comes with a promise, and that promise is from a God who loves me, and all his promises are what? Yes and amen. I'm excited, Father God, because I'm not at a disadvantage. I'm actually at an advantage because I have God on my side. And now I'm responding to him. The day no longer is dependent or measured by how it went. And I'm not trying to tell you to pretend or lie. You can be as honest as possible when people ask you this question, but how's your day? Many times gets the response according to calculations. Well, good breakfast. Uh, kids acting crazy. Uh, finances tight. Weathers, I live in Illinois. It sucks today. <laughs> and so what happens is we now conclude that this day is not a good day based upon what? What we have been through. So we're now learning. We've all been taught it. Our parents taught it. Our grandparents taught it to us. Their grandparents taught it to them. Their grandparents taught it to them. This is how you live life. Respond to life. If you want to be happy, get a better life. Go to a better place. Try to find something to make you happy. And so why? Because life tells you now who you're going to be. And God's saying, whoa, 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 there's a different way to live. And I want to show you how to live. I want to show you how to respond to me because I never change. And I never think differently about you. And my favor is always at your, your disposal. My grace is always at your disposal. So this is the day that the Lord has let us. That could be a living reality for believers without faking it without pretending it. I'm not trying to tell you, hey, just tell everybody you're having a good day, and they're like, mm, she said she's having a good day, but there's no way she's having a good day. That's what we're trying to do as Christians, and it's pathetic. It's not the way that we're supposed to live. I'm not telling you to have a good day. I'm telling you that there's a place in Christ that you can respond to the Father and realize, wow, that actually doesn't matter. The thing that brought so much fear for two weeks straight in my heart when he showed me a different perspective, it was still the same thing. Absolutely nothing changed except he showed me it from his perspective and he showed me what was attached to it, a promise. And I go, oh, wow. Okay, that doesn't bring me any more fear. You know something else will down the road, right? And when it does, he's going to lead me back into a place of, Justin, I want you to see something because I want to show you how you can respond to me and not to that. It's going to happen all throughout my life. He's going to consistently grow me into what? Discovering how he sees things. Are you following me so far? So he is relentlessly pursuing all of us, and he has done everything, everything, to set each one of you up to succeed in a relationship with him. And some of you look at your past and go, well, what about my past? He says, I took care of your past. Some of you look at your sins and go, well, what about the sin? I've, I took care of those. I've forgiven you of those things. And some of you go, well, my parents, he said, you have a new Abba. 
father in your life. I can now be your father inside your life. And so every single which way you go, well, I can't really have a relationship with God because of, he goes, no, no, took care, took care, took care, took care, took care of it. Everything that you need to have a good relationship with me is at your disposal. And so now I can now know that I'm responding to his pursuit of me. I am not trying to get him to pursue me by how I pursue him. If you followed that. He's given me access. Every single one of you have access. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can come boldly to the throne of what? Grace. He's all given us forgiveness of the things that we've committed so that we can know that the debt that I owed God has been paid on my behalf. He's all given us the same redemption so that I can be redeemed from darkness and I've been transferred into light. He's given us all of us freedom. The the prison doors are what? Unlocked. If somebody wants to sit in them and try to figure out how to get free, by means you can do so. But if you want to bust through those doors and say, thank you for the freedom that you have freely given me by the spirit of liberty, you can also do that just as well. He's given all of us his word. But some don't pick it up. Some don't spend time in it. So he's given us everything to actually succeed at really enjoying a relationship with him but the difference is whether or not we're going to partake of it. Everybody has, or has been under the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He has released, if you receive Christ, he has released the spirit of God into your life. And every single one of us in this room have his wisdom made available to us. And so he is transforming us from those who are orphan-minded people. Do you remember using that term when I used that term last year? From an orphan-minded people to a people who are mature sons and daughters. I want you to see a clear distinction. I heard this before, that at times you're going to be a much-beloved son or, or, or child, and then there are times where he's going to speak to you as a mature son. Have you ever been there before? There's times where he says, okay, I need you to do something for me. And there's other times he goes... Let me just comfort you right now. There's times where I feel like I'm a child and there's times where I feel like I'm his son. But you know what he's trying to rid us of? And it's, it's here, it's prevalent. You know where it's prevalent most? Is in men. Is an orphan mindset. An orphan mindset says this. I'm gonna prove myself. And this is the journey that he's taken my dad out on over the last two years here at New Day is there's, a, there's an orphan mindset that says self-protection, self-provision, self-promotion, self-preservation. It happened long ago when Adam was kicked out of the garden. He now had to fend for himself, or so he thought. And so we live with this orphan mindset, trying to enjoy this God, but we believe that, okay, God, I got this. I got this. And then life buckles us, and we run to God, and then when we run to God, we go, thank you, God. I may not need you again, but thank you so much for being there. I got this now. And we go back into working hard, striving hard, believing hard. God, I can do this on my own. And then life has a way of humbling us. And we're like, God, I need you. And God, of course, meets us right where we are. And then we're like, man, thanks, God. Got me out of that one. I hope you, I don't need to ask you again. God's go, man, you're totally not getting this. And so that orphan mindset is consistently like, I got to do this. I got to do it on my own. 
Nobody loves me. Nobody's there for me. Nobody's going to help me out. You know what? People can just take their little fiddles and go fiddle away. And that was the best thing that came to my mind. That was cool. And so what happens is we start to now isolate ourselves, not maybe in a group, but we isolate ourselves within a group because we're orphans in our heart. And God's going, you know what? And this is the way that he rids us of it is receive my love. Because ultimately what that means is in order to receive, we have to let go. Lord, I'm not going to be a self-provider and self-protector, self-promoter, self-preserver. I believe that you are my protection. Promotion comes from you alone, that you will preserve me and that you will provide for me every step of the way. Now, that's a place of response. Now, he says, okay, you want to see my provision? Go give over there. Go do that thing over there. Something happened in our own lives where it's like, God, thank you for providing, and he showed us an opportunity here and showed us an opportunity there, and it was his way of providing, but now we're partnering with him. He's showing us the way, and some pastors ministered to us two months ago, and they just spoke so deeply into our hearts is, Justin, open your eyes to see what God's leading you into some opportunities because that's how he's going to bring provision in your life. Sometimes we're just so stuck in, oh, my job is my source of what? Provision. And so we're so fixated on that that if anything tampers with what comes in, guess what happens internally? <gasps> you start to hyperventilate and start to go, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? But little did we know that there's little opportunities here and there that the Lord was probably opening up for us to be able to generate something more so he could provide for us. Because I really have not seen the tree pop up that has money on it. Rarely do I get a check in the mail that doesn't belong to me. Those are great stories, everybody. They're great stories, but they just don't happen the way that we hope that they would. He says, if you want it, go put on some gloves. I have an opportunity over there that may produce something for your life. Okay, I want you to see this. Are we doing okay in time? Yeah. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. It's a verse that we spent some time on last year. I believe it's going to be on the screen. Uh, When he had called the people to himself with the disciples, he said to them, okay, you guys want to follow me? You guys want to dive in this ocean and discover who I am and who you are for me? He says these words, let him what? Okay. This is not just deny yourself a cookie or the cake or whatever pleasures you like. This is I am, not please, this is between you and the spirit of God. But when he showed me this, and then he began to, he shows you first, And then he begins to teach you what that looks like. I am denying myself the what? The right to respond to anything other than him. You know how many opportunities every single day you have to respond to whatever is flying your way? I mean, you could respond to so many different things. And what happens is, because we do so, we, we live with a lot of stress. We live with a lot of anxiety and a lot of pressure. And we live with a lot of just, how are you going to make this work? And when I gave up my right, like that's hard to do. Okay, Father, I give up my right to respond 
to Sarah. That was one of the hardest things to do. And when I do that, I give my right up for, okay, I'm not going to respond. Man, finances really got me. Okay, I give up my right to respond to what that looks like. So no matter what you ask me, I'll do it even though that may have not changed. And now I'm learning by the Spirit of God how to respond to you. (laughs) It's a different life. And it doesn't happen overnight. Can I get another big amen? Amen. Okay, don't think Monday morning you guys are going to be all great responders, okay? (laughs) Something's coming your way and you might have a freak out moment. That's okay because this takes time to respond because it's in those moments where he now goes, okay, if it was blankets, hey, God's going to respond this way, got to do this, got to do... That would, be, that would be conformity. There's no power in that, but there's power when it goes, okay, Justin, you ready? This is, this is what we were talking about. He's going to remind you maybe of something I shared in a moment tomorrow when something happens and you start to get filled with either anger or anxiety or build up with fear, that's when the Holy Spirit's going to go, okay, okay. Let's go. This is, this, is, this is our training ground for learning how to respond to us. And when you do that, what happens is you start to now catch what he's trying to say. So I deny myself the right. Now, if I don't, and I try to decide in the moment, how many know it's difficult to say no in the back of a car with your girlfriend? You have to say, no, I have no right to be in the back of my car with my girlfriend. Are you following me? What I'm saying is this. If you want to say, okay, how will I respond? I'll just get there. I'll see how I'm doing when I get there. Guaranteed, you're going to constantly do exactly what your parents did, what your grandparents did, what their grandparents did. They taught you how to respond to life. And the Holy Spirit's going to show you how to respond to him. Now, we all know God's ways are not our what? Okay, Joseph is 17 years old, and what does he get? A vision that one day all will bow down to him, right? Are you following me? If you were going to try to teach a 17-year-old boy how to be second in the command in 13 years, what would you do? Let's take him through school, right? Let's give him some books. Let's help him understand it's important. You've got to be a man of integrity, you got to really just be a man of purity. you got to really just be a man of faith. And so we would take them through classes on faith, purity, and integrity, right? Because you want to be a good leader? We're going to teach you leadership. What did God do? He took them down a journey of discovery of who God is for him and who he is to God so that when he got all the way to the end of that place that was fulfilled, he said to his brothers these words, You did not send me here, but who did? God. The pit, the lies, the accusations, being forgotten in prison, being thrown into prison, and then finally coming to a place where he was there. This is why I'm saying to you, if we don't learn how to respond to God, we're going to start going down his ways. We're going to be thrown into a pit and go, Done. See you later. That was stupid. Never do that again. I'm going to stay. I'm going to keep it safe in my life. 
No way am I believing God again. Do you see what happened when I started to follow God? That was stupid. Why would I ever do that? That was painful. But if you learn what I'm just saying to you, realize God's ways are not your ways. So when you start to follow him, it's going to be important that when you're thrown in the pit, who are you going to respond to? Bitterness towards your brothers or God? I thank you that you are what? Always, you always have my best in mind and you're always setting me up somehow to succeed. So Father, I don't know why I'm here, but I thank you for who you are to me and that I am yours. So I know that somehow this is going to work itself out together. Amen? I want to show you real quickly the three, three responses. Now, these are not meant to be emulated. I want to show you what happens when you respond to the Father. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what happened? They committed to be men of God. They committed to pray. They committed to worship God. So there was a decree that went through the whole land. Anybody that does not bow, bow down to, the, to the, 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 the golden idol that was known after, I think it was Nebuchadnezzar, you are going to be what? killed, eliminated from life. They chose, you know what? We're not responding to that. We're going to continue to serve our God no matter what happens. They continue to do it. The leaders of the land start bringing the news. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hey, they're, they're, not, they're not following the decrees of the land. Nebuchadnezzar's like, man, they're the best I got. This is, all right, we have to bring them in. So he brought them in. Three guys come in. And what do he say? You know what, guys? You know there's a decree in the land that if nobody or if you don't bow down, you're going to be thrown into fire. What do they say? I want you to see this. Look at it, Daniel, if you can put that on the screen. Some of the coolest words in Scripture. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered, said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, he is what? He's able to deliver us. I love this. It's a responsive life. That not, they can see the furnace. They know they have 10 minutes before they are gone from this earth for serving God. All they have to do is simply bow. And it says, he is able from the burning fiery furnace and he, he what? He will. So he's not just able, he, he will. He'll deliver us from the hand, O king. Like, there's a sense of confidence, and I love this even more. But if he doesn't, if he sees it in his ultimate infinite wisdom to let us use, uh, use this opportunity to die for our faith, from your, uh, let it be known to you, O king, we don't serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. They responded to who? Him. And it turned up the what? They turned up the fiery furnace seven times greater that those who were actually turning it up, they died and they sent the men into the fire and Nebuchadnezzar looks in and goes, man, I see four people in there. Guys, I'm telling you this responsive life is all about a relationship with God. This is not about go do something really courageous and I hope God's with you. No, respond to the Father. Because he will always meet you right there in that place. Look at this next response. This is from a ruler in the area. Look at, uh, it's, it's Mark chapter 5, I think it is. Or, yeah, Mark chapter 5. Okay, so this is the ruler. He came to Jesus. Jesus started to come to him. As he was coming, the woman with the issue of the blood interrupted it all. And she grabbed the hem of the garment. And what did Jesus do? He looked at her and said, man, who touched me, guys? Who touched me? Everybody's touching you, Jesus. No, somebody touched me. 
looked at the woman and said, your faith has made you healed. As he was now proceeding to keep on going with the ruler, it says this, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of that synagogue's house and said, your daughter is what? Guys, I'm not just trying to tell you, oh, no, 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 come on, guys, stop, don't, don't believe the negative. No, I'm saying there's a responsive life with God that is so different than the life that we've been taught by our parents and our grandparents and everybody that you know. We've we all been taught, generation to come, this is how you respond to life. Somebody slaps you, man, if you don't slap them back, just don't ever, don't, just talk bad about them. Some have been taught, slap the guy back. And so what happens is, Jesus, look at this, your daughter is dead, don't trouble the teacher any further. As soon as Jesus heard that, he said to the ruler, whoa, 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 don't, don't respond to that. Don't, 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 don't respond to that. Why? Because that's all you've been taught how to do. You know how to respond. Your daughter's dead. That means you should freak out, cry, go, go a whole bunch of different directions. Don't be, just believe. Those are the words that came into the hospital room when I saw Summer on that bed after Sarah had taken her to the hospital in Florida when she had been diagnosed, I walked in the hospital room and I saw all the wires and my girl was as a rail. I mean, she was so skinny. Her eyes were in caving. It was just like, holy cow, she looked horrible. And I walked in that room and all I heard Jesus say was, don't be afraid, only believe. I put it on my iPad screen so every time I turned it on, it was right there. Why? Because I knew, all right, Lord, teach me how to, how to respond to that because right now what I see is causing a whole bunch of different things going on in the inside of me. He said, I'll teach you. I'll show you how to respond to me, Justin, so that you can walk your daughter out of this. Otherwise, you're going to respond to your daughter's circumstances, and it's going to take you and your family down a path that you never wanted to be down. Now, look at this last one. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. This one's cool. This is the apostles, the ones that we love, the apostles of God. It says, to this present hour, we both hunger and we thirst and we are poorly clothed and we are beaten, we are homeless. Yeah, go pastors. <laughs> go apostle Paul, you're doing great out there. Keep on serving God. And it says this, we labor working with our own hands. Now look at this. Now this is not the Christian thing to do, but this is what believers do. Being reviled, what do we do? They were reviled and they blessed. It says being persecuted, what do we do? Endure. You may be persecuted. Don't respond to the persecution. Respond to him who says, as a good and faithful soldier of Jesus Christ, endure hardship. Endure. You can do this. Why? Because you have all my grace available to you. Respond to my grace, not to your, 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 your being upset. And it says as being defamed, we encourage or we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the word, the offscoring of all things until now. Are you following what I'm saying? There's a life that is called for us to respond. So let me, let me just finish off with these few thoughts. I really don't have much more to go. Faith is a perspective knowing this. God is always good. Let me say it again. God is always good. There's never a moment, there's no circumstance that could ever convince me or should convince me that God is not good. No, he is always good. I believe that firmly to the end. Remember last week we talked about believing unapologetically. I believe God is always good. 
I hear your stories. I know what some of you are going through. Like Karen just lost her sister. Patty lost her husband. Landy lost his wife. I know that what you're going through, then there's trying times. But God is always good. He always has your best in mind. No matter what he's allowed you to go through, no matter what has happened to you, he has your best in mind and he's always setting you up to succeed. So the question is, if those three things are true, how would you respond to life? And there's one verse that popped out to me when I asked that question. Psalms 46.10. You guys know what it says? Come on, give them a cheat sheet, guys. Oh, maybe it's not out there. Be still and know. That's a responsive life defined so perfectly. Be still and know that I am And as you learn what it means to be still, you're learning what a responsive life looks like. This is not about you becoming a better Christian, responding like a better Christian, being nicer to people. That's not. You can get that in any book at Barnes and Nobles or on Amazon, anywhere you want, how to win friends and influence people. Go buy it. It's a great book on how to respond well with people so they will respond back to you. What I'm talking about is I want to respond to my father today. So that when something happens or this faces, father, show me how to respond to this. And so we're not trying to have faith. Faith is a result of a relationship that I have with my father. And this is why Solomon can tell us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Let me speak this to some of you today that don't know what to do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make that path straight. Respond to him. And let me close with these final words, and this is why Paul could tell us all, all things work what? Together for good. Let me look at this on the screen. Can you put Romans 8 up on the screen? It's the last slide, guys. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. Look what it says in the Passion. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purposes. Allow the Holy Spirit to teach you how to respond to him. And when you don't, let him teach you in that moment. He's not there to slap you. He's not there to say you're a bad Christian. He's not to say, how could you? He's saying, did you see how you responded there? Yeah, but Jesus, you don't get it. Oh, you want me not to be fear? No, 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 no. Calm down, calm down. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know what I'm saying? Like, whoa, just take it easy. I want to show you that you responded that way because you're looking at what you see rather than what I've spoken to you. And so faith is responding to who he is for me what he has spoken to me, 
and what Jesus has done for me. We are called to walk by and not by. So faith is responding. Can you go get AJ, Jim? Faith is responding to who God is for me. What did he say to me? And what did Jesus do for me? And that's why I encourage all of you to ask the question in a moment that you haven't faced before, God, who do you want to be for me right now that you couldn't be for me at any other moment? That is one of the most powerful questions because then you can respond to, ah, that's who you want to be? Teach me what that means. Amen? You guys are such good listeners. I appreciate it greatly. Father, I bless